Hello and welcome to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize, a podcast about the business side of being a creative. My name is Chris Scott. My name is Atish. Merry Christmas, Atish. Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Solemn Ramadan. Happy Holidays. Apparently yeah. there's a war on Christmas. Oh my God. Uh, but we just said Merry Christmas. Yeah. No. So for this holiday special, yeah. I thought it'd be great to catch up on all these dares that we gave each other. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of those ago. went in the pipeline. So uh, mostly we dared each other to watch movies. Yeah. Were I, there any other dares? Um, I, I think there were some initially, but those were more like project-based and a little bit more long-term. Okay. What movie did you have to watch? I watched uh, Delta Force with Chuck Norris and um, that other guy, the bald guy. Lee Marvin? Yeah, 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 Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin was in it. And that other bald guy that you say was in Columbo? No, not Columbo. I don't remember the TV show, Um, but but, uh, it it was like Remington Steel, but not Remington Steel. The Equalizer? No. No. (laughs) No. Um, There was that... That show, because um, Remington Steele was Pierce Brosnan. This was like, was that you? Was that me? <laughs> that was me, actually. I can't. How unprofessional! I didn't. Um, let me silence that. Um, uh, like I'm. No, I was talking about Columbo earlier today, but that was only because I was talking about that TV show, The Sinner. Oh yes, yeah. Um, which I'm maybe on board with, but maybe not. Right. I've never heard of it, so I'm, yeah. I'm not on board. Anyways, yeah. I Also, I'm going to put it out there. Jessica Biel is a very unlikable person. I don't like her. It's now official. Yeah. Um, no, so I watched uh, Delta Force. Um, no, the the guy, his name is William Wallace, but maybe I, I had him confused from someone else from the start. because I'm Braveheart? <laughs> no. Um, I think I had the, the actor. From Wallace and Gromit? No, were you the one who was talking to me about Wallace and Gromit? Was probably this recently. I will probably bring it up later when I talk about the movie I had to watch. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right, right. No, so I had to watch uh, Delta Force, which was um, a very easy watch, and it was. Uh, what was it about? So it was about a special group of. Uh, okay, so so it's about uh, Chuck Norris. And the, like the the movie opens on this mission where um, that guy who I thought was a part of another show, but may or may not have been, ends up getting uh, ends up getting messed up. Right. Uh, I think almost killed. He's not dead. Well, Delta Force is an anti-terrorism right unit. So squad, whatever you want to squad call it. unit. They're doing an assault and. Um, and basically, because of the way like the mission was planned and organized, this guy almost gets fucked. Uh, what was his name? Peterson. Right. You keep calling him Peterson. Yeah, that was his name. Cool. Was it not? Am I, I wrong? I don't, I, I don't recall names. I'm really bad with names. When was the last time you watched this movie? Ooh, maybe a week ago. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. You keep up to date. It's a good movie. <coughs> So because of that, um, and this is why I brought up MacGruber earlier, uh, because of that, Chuck Norris quits. Mm-hmm. He's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Right, and then another 
terrorist act happens. Yeah. That draws them back in. That draws them back in. And they're hijacking a plane to t- take the passengers to uh, Beirut, right? Um, or do they happen to land there? No, they're, they're on their way back to America, but they divert the tr- plane to Beirut. Right. And that's where they do the switch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, when they switch the women and children for more terrorists. Right. They swap out that. And then there was also that thing. What, what was the big deal about uh, the – they made like a big deal about the Jews in that. Yeah, they did make a big deal about the Jews. But what's up with, with that? Uh, I don't know. But I feel like it was a, a, like an attempt to make you care about the characters on the plane, the passengers on the plane. Yeah. It was these, I want to say, Islamic terrorists. Yeah, I th- I think that was the implication. And they wanted to separate all the Jewish passengers from the American passengers. From the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like they were trying to make you feel bad about... Uh, they're trying to like associate the whole thing about Jews, how Jews are always persecuted, right? And make you feel bad. For and then there was that moment that was kind of like um, that, like a uh, Spartacus moment. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where the guy's like, he's not Jewish, but he's like, well, I am a man of the Lord, and the Lord was Jewish. Was Jew, yeah. And therefore, if that. you if you take them, then you take me also, or some some shit like right. That. He was a priest, a Catholic right. priest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, I'm just like Jesus Christ, who was a Jew, and so yeah, take yeah, yeah. me as well. Yeah. Um, and the flight attendant was German, and she was like, no, I can't do it because I'm German. Don't you know I'm German? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, um, which was hilarious, but also, uh, well, I, I, yeah. Anyways. And then the that, that lady with the wedding ring that wanted to go shopping. Yeah. She yeah, was yeah. in uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding as the mom. So she also plays Greek pretty well. Oh, I know you've seen my big fat Greek wedding. I've seen it. Everybody I saw it. I think I saw it in high school. Yeah, yeah. Whenever that movie came out, that was like a huge movie that year. Which is weird because it wasn't like didn't seem like it was a big budget. Didn't really have like a no, big it was cast super in it or small like budget. That. Yeah, but it was a hilarious movie. It was all right. Uh, it was all right. I, f- I feel like if you're if you're not in on all the Greek jokes, it's just kind of. It was just funny. I think I think that movie was funny in general. It was uh, like all the ants were funny. The dad was funny with Windex on everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were all about their daughter getting married, and <laughs> you know, it was like at the time it was like a it was like a fresh take on that. Yeah. Trope of my oldest daughter isn't married. Why not? Let's yeah. Shove her in front of. People. Yeah. It, it kind of brought in like some little cultural idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Um, but yeah, and then. Uh, then Chuck Norris comes in and kicks ass. And I think he says, um, I wrote this down in my notes. It was easily one of the best action lines. Uh, what does he say? But you didn't bring your notes, did you? Oh, they're on my phone. Oh, that you just turned off because it went off. Yeah. Uh, no, he says, he says, good night, sucker. Or no, that's not what it is. Sleep tight. In Delta Force 2. There's a second one to this. Uh huh. He has a other. His another really good action line. Really? Yeah. And it's like this bad guy's uh, beating him up, and he's like, "It's time for me to teach you a lesson." And he's like, "Boom! Here's my right. Here's my left." And he's like beating him up. And so Chuck Norris is laying on the ground, 
like all beat, like all out of it. He's like, uh-huh. and so the guy's gonna stomp on his face. And so as about he's as as soon as his foot is about to like hit his face, he grabs it with his hand, uh-huh. and he turns to him. He's like, my turn to teach. And then he gets up, and then just roundhouse kicks him out a window. Damn. Uh, so you should watch the second one. Yeah, because Chuck Norris actually um, he started his own uh, style of martial arts that was called Tang Soo Do. Interesting. You know that? My grade school art teacher studied with Chuck Norris. In Tang Soo Do? I think so. And he was on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, my God. Because that was the thing that Chuck did is he brought all of his students in to be on Walker, Texas Ranger. Like as villains or? As like the gang members. Yeah, like like the little side. Because even if they're not good actors, they can be. They know. can go. Uh, uh, <laughs> and they get roundhouse kicked in the face. Either way. Um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a big hand-to-hand fight scene in, uh, in Delta Force. I think a dude gets his arm all messed up. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, that was that was my uh, experience. I didn't realize that there's a second one. There's a second one. I think there might be more, but only two of Chuck Norris. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I had to look it up. I couldn't find it on um, Netflix or Hulu or HBO or anything like that, so I found it on Cody, and I watched it through there. Um, so I didn't realize it was like multiple Delta forces. Yeah. I mean, all in all, it gave me a whole lot of ideas. Like, it made me kind of realize how far, like, there, there are the cool aspects of it, like, specifically, like, when he says, like, uh, sleep tight sucker, or, like, that made me think of um, Dirty Harry, mm-hmm. where he's like, it's the question you got to ask yourself, are you feeling lucky, punk? punk. Yeah. You kind of don't really see those aspects in movies anymore where, where uh, or not in movies in general, but, like, in action flicks where there's, like, that memorable a line. You know what I mean? Like you see things in like like this is Sparta or you know whatever, but but it kind of doesn't have that same feel to it. You know what I mean? That that was something that like went by, but at the same time, I think our like kind of action movie choreographing has gotten so much better. So um, there's a new show on Amazon, Amazon Prime, called uh, Jean Claude Van Johnson. I knew where you were going with this before you even said that. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, but it's been on my, uh, so I have like an Amazon Fire Stick. So there's six episodes. And they're only like 30 minutes each. Uh-huh. There's a, a moment in the series where the director of this movie that Jean-Claude's in is like, oh, nobody likes those uh, fight scenes from the 80s where it's one guy at a time. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, like, you, en- like Enter the you Dragon. kick and you deliver your line and you did another kick and you deliver a line. Nobody believes it and they're not realistic anymore. Mm-hmm. But then later on in the series, there's an actual scene where one guy goes up one at a time to fight uh-huh. Jean-Claude uh-huh. Van Damme. And he, the director is like, oh, this is awesome. This is amazing. Let's <laughs> roll on this. And so it's kind of like, do you miss those scenes? Um, because a movie like Delta Force is kind of what – it's kind of like a it's, – it's basically what action movies were like back in the 80s and 90s. It was a one-man band against an army of bad guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole bunch of these, like, militant Islamic, you know, whatever. Well, not even, like, like terrorist aside. I mean, like, Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have you seen that movie? Uh, Yeah. The most quotable movie ever. It's just Arnold against an army of random bad guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, Jean-Claude had a lot with uh, Hard Target and... When he was chased after those people in the bayou, 
<laughs> um, Enter the Dragon has the same thing where um, when he's down in that like underground thing where they're I forget really what the plot with that was, but they were like they were injecting chicks with heroin or something like that. I forget why. Um, Enter Enter the Dragon isn't the one with the tournament. No, it is the one with the tournament. Mm. I must be confused by what you're trying to say. No, because it's the tournament, but then there's also that underground underground operation where there there are those like there's that like underground prison with the, yeah, yeah, the strung yeah, out yeah. chicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where there's that pivotal scene where he gets the nunchucks and he mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh then all the guys start like running at him one at a time and he starts like kicking and you know, doing all that crazy shit. But the, the thing about the, all those movies, it was like one guy, one underdog that knew what was right and yeah, what was yeah. wrong. And he stood up against the guys doing what was wrong. Right. Like like a lot of those action movies back in the day, like Stigall, Seagal, Jackie Chan even. It's like one guy versus yeah. a well, large group Well, of people. you can kind of see that in a, in a continuation. Like uh, look at the uh, John Wick movies. Right. That's mm. one guy against a whole lot of people. You can say that with John Wick and with, like, Olympus Has Fallen. I don't think I ever saw that one. London Has Fallen with Gerard Butler. Ooh, I don't really buy him as an action hero. You should watch those two movies. Okay. They're actually pretty good. Oh. Um, or, like, um, have you seen uh, Savages? Who's in Savages? Uh, Taylor Kitsch and the guy from Kick-Ass. No. Oh, dude. Okay. Wait, is that that weird, like, is that, like, a drama? It's a it's a movie about like the Mexican cartel. Oh, that's probably why I didn't see it. Why? Because you just mentioned two white guys in a movie about the Mexican cartel. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. No, Savages is about these two guys who um two guys who are like dating the same girl or some shit like that. I guess it was a book first. But I don't know. Anyways, um so it's the guy from Kick Ass. And the guy from, uh, I don't know, whatever shit Taylor Kitsch is in. Like, you, you know who the fuck that is, right? Uh-huh. Anyways, so uh, basically they are they run one of the most successful, like, weed operations in uh, Southern California. And so they the Baja cartel comes up to him and be like, yo, like, we want to absorb your business. You'll get paid really well. And you just have to show us because I guess they have, like, the best shit around. You just have to show us, like, how you grow your stuff. And they're like, no, thank you. You guys do, like, really violent business where we just kind of don't want to do that, whatever. So then the Baja cartel ends up kidnapping um, Blake Lively. And so they have to go rescue her. I'm out. I don't care about this movie at all. (laughs) But the point is, is it's like, it's the – wait, why was I talking about this? Um the point is, is that they, they, uh, they, they, uh, they, it's like the two of them versus like a whole grip of bad guys. Oh, yeah, interesting. So it's like with with John Wick or with Savages or with uh, you know whatever like that that kind of thing still continues. Right. I don't know. I, I do feel like there's a new realism that's necessary in modern day action films. That it's kind of like it's not surprising anymore. Like uh, newer, I, I miss that whole campiness, the whole over the top, like es- es- escapism of cheesy mm. action movies. Mm-hmm. That that might be just be me personally. Tell me what you think. Uh, tweet at us at CSS Podcast <laughs> on Twitter. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it might be a different, like, a generational gap, honestly. I don't want to bring the, that up. Uh, bring it up. Because... Too heavy. But but I think I think the difference is, is that ultimately, like, I like things that are kind of more grounded in realism and, you know, whatever. Or, um... Well, I, I think the same thing is kind of even exemplified in, like, for instance, um, did you see 13 Hours? Yes, with... Uh... Jim from the Jim office. from the office. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it in the theater. <laughs> yeah, um, where it's like it's a small but scrappy pack of dudes against all these other, you know, yes, whatever. Yes, yes. I, I think that thing, is, like the concept, is still pervasive, but I think the difference is that now it's a little bit more grounded in reality and like. Right, but I also I feel like the thing that is taken away when you add reality to it, mm-hmm. which is, I feel like, let's say we compare Delta Force to John Wick. Okay. All right. So what was the thing that drove John Wick um, to kill all of those bad guys? The guy basically insulted his honor, and then on top of that, the guy's uh, son murdered his, his puppy. dog that his wife gave him, yeah. his dying wife gave, yeah. wife gave him. And that right there, I'm not a big dog guy. I'm not a pet person. What? And so that right there was not enough for me to get attached to that movie. Okay. So I was like, yeah, everything else was cool. I was like, really? Over a dog? Well, I think the whole idea, the reason why they did that is because uh, is because they wanted to show, like, how much that that emotional connection meant to him, like, with his wife. So that, like, even on something as, you know, small so, as that, he, like, flipped his shit. So with that, they only spent, what, 10 minutes on that? Yeah, I think that was it. Was a very short part. It was the very beginning of the movie, and it was done. Like, it was like ten minutes. It's like, oh yeah, like they showed like his wife was dying. I get that. That's right. I feel bad for him. Right, right, right. Oh, she bought him a dog. Oh, that's very sweet. Oh no, they killed the dog. It's like, oh, I feel bad about that. Like I, I got on board with that stuff. Right. But let's look at Delta Force. In the first twenty minutes of that movie, yeah, you've got him losing a partner and another terrorist attack. Chuck Norris. Yeah. 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 Right. And he's out of it. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, exactly. And then we spend forever meeting everybody on that plane. Every single person on that plane. Oh, I I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. uh, Waiting area. What is that called at the airport? The the boarding. The boarding area. Boarding Boarding zone. Zone area. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We meet all the passengers. We get on the plane. We meet with them more. And then the terrorists take over. Right, yeah. And so we spend time establishing that, oh, this is a, Chuck Norris is a good guy that does what's right for the country. Right. And his breaking point is losing another team member. He can't yeah. deal with it anymore. Due to, due to like organizational inefficiencies and like things like that. Right. But as soon as he finds out more people are in danger, he, he can't, can't help, help himself. Help yeah. himself, but attempt to save these people. Right. Okay. Which he does with a motorcycle that shoots rockets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we spend a, a solid, I want to say, thirty minutes of that movie, probably more, setting up who these people are, and getting to know these people, and setting up the situation. And that's true. I was kind of confused as to the direction that the movie was going to take because, like, you watch that, like, um, and I'm not saying it's like uh, Saving Private Ryan, like that opening scene where it's like, uh, you know, whatever. But it was like that was a very like action fueled and dramatic like opening scene, uh-huh. and then you kind of like slow it down for a second, and so then you watch. That that kind of like uh, I don't know what you would call that, but that kind of like introductory part, and uh, it it really kind of like slowed the pace down, and so I was kind of confused as to where the movie was going to go from there. But 
then it delivered by circling it back. Right. Yeah. And then once the terrorists took over and then they dropped off the women and children then brought more terrorists on board, it like, like the scales kept escalating throughout the entire movie. Right. Whereas opposed to John Wick, he's like the scales were always the same. Like That's true. His driving force was the same the entire movie. Well, and moreover, you didn't ever think um, that there was any challenge or any like – like even when they got ahead of him and they're like, oh, we know John Wick's going to come for this guy. Let's set up this perimeter and let's have all this. You didn't actually feel as though that was going to be any more difficulty for John Wick than it would no, than the and, beginning scenes. And the way they tried to counteract that was with everyone talking, telling stories about the boogeyman. Right. And it was like they were super long and slow and like <laughs> – you don't know the boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. And it's so long. It's like, shut up. I get it. He's the boogeyman. He was a bad guy. Right. He's a badass. Whatever. I yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. Like me staring at you sipping a drink for three minutes isn't <laughs> building anticipation for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas on in like Delta Force, they're training with a group of people to aboard a train or the plane. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, 12 seconds. That's good. And Chuck Norris is like, no, we can do it in 10. Yeah. Let's do it again. Which that's actually a kind of thing that I think was in earlier movies that is very like that's not really a thing in modern movies. It's like kind of those I don't want to say training montages, but um efficiency montages. <laughs> well well I just what what I mean is like that kind of like sort of inspirational moment where the where these people are like no, we can do better. It's right. like, yeah, we're going to do what's right, but we need to do it the best that we can. Right. Those yeah, type yeah. of moments. It's not like – like, and Rocky does it a lot. Right. A it, lot of – Exactly. Rocky was was the was the real big one. Um, Delta Force. Uh, and, like, Commando, Arnold was like, we have to get weapons first. And then yeah. they brought, like, an, a gun shop. You right. know, it's, it's, it's people, like, took the time to, like, prepare themselves to accomplish this big major challenge that was ahead of them. Right, whereas I'm, I think that, but with exception to the scene where John Wick goes to that, and I might be confusing it with the second one. Right, and then let's talk about the second one for a second. Okay, they, I feel like that the way that they up the stakes in the second one, if they did that in the first one, I would have liked the first one way more. They're like, oh, let's put everybody to attack John Wick, not save it for a second movie. Right, and I feel like the second movie had no motivations in it. No motivations, and moreover, because it's like because they it started with the same kind of feel as Delta Force that he's like against his will, he's drawn back in, right? You know, whatever. But then it got completely lost in this like kind of mishmash about like all of a sudden the entire city of New York is an assassin, mm -hmm. and that really kind of bugged me. It was it was overtop in the in a weird way. Yeah, like not not in a not in the eighties action movie sort of way right i mean and like in the 80s like a bad guy would like inject himself with some serum and become a little bit stronger right or, or he, yeah exactly or like uh like calling back to rocky where uh drago drago ivan drago. ivan drago he was like doing steroids and like doing the whole thing like that was that training montage was pretty amazing dude it was pretty great <laughs> rocky is out in the woods in the snow yeah like pushing logs up mountains mm -hmm. like dragos and like a gym with machines and he's breaking machines it's yeah like that was perfect. It was awesome. Setup. It was that awesome. Setup was great. Yeah, but um, you can't just tell me that. Oh, these guys are really bad. Trust us, and then set them up against the bad guy. Right. I I I feel like I need that setup. That well, and that was kind of the thing with with John Wick too. Is that 
after he accomplishes that thing and then he gets into a big fight with Common, which actually, you know, if anything, I have to give a big props because we all know we've all seen Keanu training like a motherfucker. Right. Like like a, that guy trains really hard. He's really good at what he does. Who knew Common, who's not even really an actor, could do that. Could like and he pulled it off. You know what I mean? He he actually really pulled it off. It lo- it looked convincing and it was pretty quick and and it was pretty good, I think. But but after that, then it just turns into this thing where it's like John Wick against the whole assassin clan or the whole, you know, whatever. And it just got more and more ridiculous as the movie went on. I'm, like, really not a fan of the second one at all. Right. I, I was like, I, I actually enjoyed the second one more than the first one. What? That's crazy. I know. It's super crazy. But because I was able to let go of this expectation of that there's, like, a, a character there that I care about. And that there's a, like a legit bad guy. It's like, no, it's just ridiculous action that I'm going to watch for an hour and a half. Yeah. 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 As soon as I was able to let go of wanting a, a journey to go on, the yeah. second one was better. The first one, I wasn't on board with the whole dog dying. Everyone's going to hate me for that. But I wasn't on board with it. It wasn't enough for me. That's almost as unpopular an opinion as when I tell people I hate Game of Thrones. I can't get into it. Everyone hates that I don't like Game of Thrones. Every time someone tries to talk to me about Game of Thrones, I say, I've watched it up to the point where they push the kid out the window. Right. Oh, you mean the first episode? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, don't talk about anything that happens after that. Yeah. And then they're like, Ugh. they roll their eyes and walk away. I See, that's the thing. Because I was um, dating this girl who was really into it, you know, what, back then. Um, I watched up to season five or maybe through season five or something like that. And I just realized the whole show is fucking dumb. Yeah. Like they do it entirely. They specifically conduct the show to do the same kind of bait and switch tactics that they do every single time. And it just becomes this ad infinitum like pattern. And it's not about actually having an inventive storyline or anything like that. It's all about just this bait and switch sort of pattern. And I fucking hate it. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so I guess if you want to compare Delta Force two to Delta to John Wick two, I guess I would have to see Delta Force two. You need to see it, but Delta Force two is all about drug lord, drug Colombian drug lords, <laughs> and one of them like kills Chuck Norris's partner, and then gets away with it in court, and so it's like this whole spiel on how they're gonna get this guy that was able to get out on bail and just head to Columbia where they don't extradite. Oh. And so someone had to go in and get him out. Yeah. And so Chuck Norris is going to go in. Yeah. See, I think actually that that's kind of like very similar to um, what we, we were talking about earlier today, actually. And the last movie with the rock that I actually really enjoyed was the Scorpion King. And I feel like that movie was made with like kind of an eighties movie sort of like, image uh-huh. as it's as it's sort of presence because it's like a solo guy he's the last of his kind you know what i mean which like i guess his whole his whole uh persona not persona ethnicity or like his whole uh racial background for some reason was like a whole group of like highly trained assassins or something which i don't know how that even starts to be a thing but that's irrelevant um sounds very conan Exactly. It's it's just like that. It was just like that. It was Conan it was the barbarian. It was Middle Eastern Conan. Yeah, basically. And so he is sent on this mission to go like assassinate this uh uh 
what, what would you call that? Like a like a fortune teller or like someone who can see the future? The the like a sorceress? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And uh, but then he can't or he doesn't because she's like she's a hot chick, right? <laughs> like this she was um what was her name? She was in that X Men movie, wasn't she? I don't know. I've n- I think she was um, in X Men Two. The lady with the fingernails. The, the finger, the, the fingernails, and an adamantium. Ad, adam, adamantium. Adamantium fingernails. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Margaret something. Hmm. Margaret Cho. No, not Margaret Cho. Anyway, she's she's just a fat Asian comic who talks about her butthole a lot. As more Asian comics should. Right. Anyway, so he goes in there to, like, assassinate her, but then he doesn't. And then, before you know it, he has to fight, basically, the whole, like, empire. Right. You know? And and I thought that was, like, that was the last movie I've actually enjoyed The Rock in. Because I saw that movie, Central Intelligence. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Oh, my God. It was the biggest dog shit movie I've seen in a long, long time. Like, people talk about The Room and Tommy Wiseau and stuff, and it's like, at least that guy was basically fucking retarded and didn't know how to make or write a movie. Like, Kevin Hart, The Rock, the writers to the movie, they're all ostensibly people who have, like, they've written other stuff or they've been in other stuff. Like, they know how this works. Kelly Hugh. (laughs) That's her name. Central Intelligence is really, really bad. Yeah. And she was an X-Men, too. Oh, well, you nailed it. So, the last movie... Well, I'm a big fan of the the Fast and Furious franchise. I don't I, know why. I think they're great. They're great movies. After 4, they're fantastic movies. Because up until 4, they're still about street racing. Everything after that is just a heist movie. Exactly. And heist movies are great. But you don't like Ocean's Eleven. I don't, because I don't like uh, Sodenberg and all those like snooty white people. Like, I don't know. I, I hate to be racing into it, but I don't care. But you don't like those movies that's like about an intensely complex plan that you don't really understand until the end of it. No, I don't like. Uh, I don't like a group of people, whiny people, saying, "I'm just going to steal from the, this guy that has a lot of money." <laughs> oh, this is how we're going to do it. They oh, didn't convince you. We they were. didn't convince you that. Uh, that They're not uh, underdogs. They're just like a bunch of whiny people. They're like, oh, we're lazy. We're going to steal money from the from the casinos. Right on fight night. Was it fight night? Yeah, it was. Probably. Yeah. Who knew? They black out the whole thing, and that's like what sets yeah. the whole thing up. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I don't know. I didn't I didn't uh, get on board with any of those characters. Um, I, I couldn't do it. But your movie that you dared me to watch right. was Lagan. Lagan. Uh, Once Upon a Time in India? Yeah. Is that's that the subtitle? That's the subtitle. And that actually was a very good movie. I told you. And it does a lot of the things that I was trying to bring up earlier about setting up characters and setting up the world to where we care about this village before just the idea of good versus bad. Right. And and the thing about that movie, it's incredibly hard to convince people to watch it because, number one, it's entirely... It's three hours long. Well, okay, yeah. It's over three hours long. It's uh, yeah, three it's... hours of... 40 minutes? It's close to four hours long. It's almost yeah. four hours long. It's it's longer than a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Just one. But as far as I see it, it's three times as interesting as a Lord of the Rings movie. That's debatable. Uh, I think Lord of the Rings movies are pieces of garbage. They're fucking annoying. Anyways. Um, 
it's it's really long, but the second part is that a good majority of it is entirely in subtitles, and that's no, all of it's in subtitles. Well, not all of it. They're the British who speak in English, right? For five minutes of the movie, right? <laughs> five minutes of the three hour and forty minute movie, right? <laughs> so a small percentage of it is spoken in English, so it's it's pretty hard to convince people to watch it. Honestly, and then also when people understand or when people see like that there is like it is Indian cinema, so there is songs, there's songs and musical numbers, and yeah. And so it's incredibly hard to take to get people to take it seriously. But when it gets down to it, it's actually I think a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lagan is about an uh, Indian village, yeah, town village, a very rural sort of village. This is this is you know uh, this was during the uh, colonization of India, which. Uh, wasn't that long ago, but also as long ago that, you know, there isn't like modern technology and there isn't that right. thing. Yeah. And it hasn't been raining in this town for the longest time. And so the British are like the British guy, what's his name? Colonel Colonel uh Russell. I don't know, you saw it more recently than I have, that's for uh, sure. I don't remember his name. I think his name was Russell. Yeah. He was like, uh I want your people to pay me. I said they didn't have to pay me last year because it didn't rain, but now because of this year, I'm waiting for payment. I want three times the payment or something like that. Yeah, something like absolutely outrageous. Yeah, double the payment, even though it still hasn't rained for like two years. And so the people came, the village came to protest to the actual British British guy, and the British guy was like, he upped the ante like a thousand percent. Right. He ends up getting into this like kind of. not pissing contest, but like the the kind of like young representative of the village and him start to butt heads, and that's like when uh, uh, Pukan, yeah, Pukan, Pukan, <laughs> it's a B H U, yeah. Um, they start to butt heads, and that's when they like end up, you know, the testosterone fueled, you know, whatever ends up up in the ante. So the challenge that happens is if the village can beat the British at a game of cricket. They don't have to pay their taxes. Right. But if they lose, they have to pay triple the taxes. Right. And so Bukan is like, deal. You're going down, British guy. <laughs> uh, and he speaks for the entire village without talking to the village. Mm-hmm. And the whole movie is about him convincing this village that they can beat the British at this right. game of cricket. Right. And I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, I think a, a good portion of that is just like uh... – in any kind of subjugated society, there have to be the kind of people that would believe that, you know, like life doesn't have to be this way. You think it has to be this way, but it, you know, we can, we can make things better. We can do things entirely of ourselves or like have our own agency as it were. Well, uh, well the thing that the village kept bringing up to Bukan was, Oh, how are we going to, you know, pay for triple the taxes once we lose. It's like they already, they're coming from a negative spot. Right. Because they were so down in the dumps because it hasn't been raining in two years. I mean, the first, I think maybe the second musical number was about clouds coming in Mm -hmm. and there were clouds covering the town and they're like really excited and singing about what would happen once they had all their crops back and they can make money off their crops and have, you know, afford to buy this or to do whatever they wanted. Because the rain was coming. Right. And they had, like, all these dreams happened while these these dark clouds were coming towards their village. And then it ended up not raining. And then they all were sad. Yeah. And there was, like, oh, another letdown. And so 
everyone was just like in this super down place. They're all downers because they've been in years of drought mm-hmm. and they're a crop town. And it's like you need rain. A crop town? Uh, agricultural uh, community of <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And you need, to, you need the rain to survive and they couldn't do it. And so the fact that this kid, Bukan, 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 Bukan was like, guys, what what do we have to lose? Yeah. And like, he has to like, we're already being shoved around by the British. We're already doing the stuff. What do we have to lose? We, we can, you know, we have a lot to gain. Right. We have everything to gain, but nothing to lose. Yeah. And it's just like, let's take the chance. Let's do that. And everyone is just not on board with it because it's super scary. Right. Which, you know, which relates, I think relates to you in your life. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, kind of. We'll save that for next year's podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that on the new year. Uh, but no, but I thought it was great. They spent a lot of time, a lot of time, setting up who these characters are. Right. Like, one of the first scenes is these guys and a chicken, mm-hmm. which I thought was weird. Well, was no, like, it's, I, isn't I, that just, like, in Rocky, where they're... No, it's about like some angry guys. Like these guys are messing with my chicken. These kids are messing with my chicken. Yeah. Leave my chickens alone. Oh, you mean the guy who later gets pulled for the team? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And then the second scene was uh, Bukan saving the rabbit from the British, mm-hmm. and I think that's what sparks the whole. And I'm, I'm I hate this guy. I right. Don't like this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Not, they they really make warrior. you not like the villain. Yeah. Yeah. Who is uh, the dad on Arrow on the CW? If you want to watch him and current stuff, he's a... Wait, Colonel whatever? Colonel, I think Russell, is on the new CW show, Arrow. He's the dad of the girl... uh, What's her name? Not Felicity, the other one. I don't know. I don't... I do do not watch that show The second Black Canary, but her sister was also the Black Canary. So, yeah. So, he's still working, which is pretty cool. Yeah, wow, that's that's actually impressive because that means he's been doing stuff for my entire lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> like, even still currently, he's on a TV show on the air right, right now. now. Right Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Lagan came out in 1992. Wow. The year before Jurassic Park? No, Jurassic Park came out in 1994. 93. Pretty sure 94. All right, Google's... We'll figure it out. Yeah. But no, but Lagan is definitely one of those underdog stories, which I don't think we get to see too often anymore. And I feel like when we do see those movies, they surprise people. And people really attach themselves to it. Yeah. And then they... It's all about story. Yeah, it it really wasn't one of these movies that's... uh like special effects driven or had you know like any action scenes or anything like that but it really was just a movie where you resonate deeply with the protagonists even if you know like i grew up an entire culture outside of that like i grew up here in the united states well they they did a really good job setting up how how high the stakes were to lose that game and how right high the stakes were to or how great it would be to win that game right so i feel like we've all been in that place where you know living paycheck to paycheck we're like oh, i can't buy this fancy ramen but i can buy <laughs> you know the 25 cent ramen yeah you know like living paycheck to paycheck it's like oh i can't do it this week i can't do it this week but 
maybe next week as soon as I get paid. Yeah, in that and, relief and that, you feel, and a huge like windfall would kind of mean a lot, right? In that sense, I guess I would probably compare it most to when when I was uh, like in a, like a server, and when tax returns came, because when tax returns came, it was like like a lot of money. Yeah, in, in one go, in one go. For yeah. no reason at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was paying taxes throughout the whole year. But when you're young, you just don't understand what the heck's going on with your taxes. Yeah. And then you file your taxes and you find out you get, you know, 2000 bucks for no reason. Yeah. And so once you get that 2000 bucks all in one lump sum, you're like, holy what? shit. And then you do something crazy with it. Yeah. You get that new car. You get that new, new those new pair of pants that you need because you're getting <laughs> holes in all your knees, you know? Yeah. It's like you've. You can finally do those things that you wish you could do, but you can't. And that's what this movie basically did for the first hour. Yeah. They set that up really well. Well, and I think that that's kind of the thing. They didn't have to, like, constrain themselves into, like, okay, how long do people actually want to sit in the theater? Right. Because this was a movie that didn't, like, exist under those constraints. So they could kind of just let it roll and, and like, let's let's develop the story. Let's do that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um, because if you actually had to worry about releasing it into the modern public, and I'll, I'll even say this, that I was watching, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Right. Maybe, or maybe it was Thor. I forget which one it was. It was too fucking long. Which one? Because uh, they both weren't long movies at all. Yeah, but it felt long. Right. Or which one am I thinking of? There was something recently that I watched where you could... Oh, you know what? And I, I've talked about this before, and I think you've disagreed with me on this Probably. point. Probably. Um, reboot of Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. Too long. Didn't need to be. Okay. You could have cut out that Jared Leto character entirely. Entirely. Any scene involving him or anything involving like whatever he was doing, you could have cut it out. And it would have been totally fine. The movie would have still been okay. I think the thing about Blade Runner and other similar sci-fi drama, psychological, uh, quote mark, thrillers, <laughs> uh-huh. is that it's it's a movie that instigates, or, or not instigates, uh, sparks thought that you get to have while watching it. It's like, oh, well, what if robots could be people? And have thoughts and feelings. It's like, oh. Right. Like, like what ends up being the difference when robots end up having, like, completely free agency and, like, that kind of thing? Like, what is the difference between a human and a, yeah, and let a me, really advanced artificial intelligence? Let me uh, mull this over while I look at this sweeping shot of some random desert that's all orange. While it plays that Inception music that goes, bah. Right. And so it's like, what what was the deal with uh, Drax? What's his name? The wrestler guy. Oh, uh... At the beginning, what was he trying to hide? It's like, yeah, yeah, what was yeah. up with that tree? It's Batista. Like, yeah. What What is happening with that? Like, it gives yeah. you, it's long and drawn out, so you can just sit there and just, like, think about it. It's like it's trying to spark thoughts and, and uh, like, you know, new thoughts that you just wouldn't think about just in your everyday living. It's like, I wouldn't care about what my phone, if my phone came to life right now, what would it think? What would it say? Yeah, it's like no, but if I can watch a movie about a guy that's possibly a robot or not a robot, it's like if he is a robot, what does that mean? And now he's got these new feelings. It's like what? Well, I th- I think the point of um, the new Blade Runner, at least, was that your your identity is dictated by yourself, like not dictated by anyone 
around you. It's dictated by yourself, which is only meaningful to our current society where it's like just humanity. But the whole point was that like, or at least at least the way I see it is that when he thought he was just a, a replicant, when he mm-hmm. thought he was just a, a robot, he was able to like take a whole lot of punishment because in that first scene, you know, with uh, Dave Bautista, he gets wrecked yeah. for a second. And then he just comes back and kills the dude. Mm-hmm. Like, just does it very casually. Doesn't, you know, doesn't even look like he's breaking a sweat. The second where all of a sudden in, like, the second slash third act, give or take, um, he thinks that he's actually human. Like, he thinks he's the one who was actually born. Of Harrison Ford in that first and, replica. Uh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I, I went too deep on that. Mm. Um, now all of a sudden he bleeds. Like, you didn't see that before. Right. But now all of a sudden he bleeds and he feels weak and he doesn't know if he can go on or whatever. He's having all these very human feelings and human, like, reactions. And then, even more of a spoiler alert, when he later finds out that he's not, mm-hmm. that he just, he's he, he's not the human born, then he's able to just, like, keep going and persevere and go on and whatever. Right. Which means like the whole idea was kind of that your identity is created by yourself. You hold the keys to whether or not you can like, what are you capable of? Well, you decide. Right. So where was I going with this? I don't know. That was pretty deep, pretty intense. Yeah. It sounds like you got a lot more out of that movie than you think you did. I'm not saying I didn't get a whole lot out of that movie. I think that the movie just had no purpose being that long. It just sounds like, okay, it was too long. If it was 30 minutes shorter, <laughs> yeah, it would have been a great movie. I'm not saying that it would have been a great movie, but I thought, I thought it was fine. It was, you know, whatever. But I feel like the movie's intention was executed based solely on that statement you just made about it. Yeah, okay, okay. You might not be wrong there, but also that might just be something that I'm extrapolating from it because that's something that, like, is part of my... Um, that's that's really a big part of my, like, MO these days. Right. Like, I might be uh, projecting. Ooh. Fancy you know word. I mean? Fancy word. But... Yeah. But Lagan was a good movie. Even with the musical numbers. <laughs> oh, right. We were talking about Lagan. They did a... The love story was weird in it. Um, yeah. The semi-love triangle. I thought there would be more to it. But then the second after the intermission, uh, there was just a song about, like, oh, yeah, I do love you. Yeah. Yeah. And it resolved that. And then especially even the ending kind of put the kibosh. Like... They needed. I, I feel like they had to like up the ante on the uh, love triangle sort of aspect of it, so that that last scene, or not the last scene, but like part of that ending where it resolves that, mm-hmm. like that would have actually been a resolution. But that wasn't something you were actually kind of concerned about the whole way through. Like you never really cared about that because you knew it was going to resolve the way that it did. Right. So if there was like kind of a little bit more like um, confusion or or something like that about how it was going to end that might have actually drawn in kind of like that ending would have meant more mm-hmm. because the game ending the way it did oh man was this incredibly movie, important this movie had all sorts of reversals in it yeah so where you think something it also had it happen, also had that double cross it has double crosses and reversals it's, yeah. it's just the reversal is thinking you're thinking something's gonna happen and then the like 
something completely different happens right. at the end of it. Yeah. And this movie ends with the actual British douchebag catching the ball that could lose the game for the village. Right. He so so it's just like in um baseball where if the batter hits it, hits the ball to the outfield and the outfielder catches it. And the outfielder it. catches it, then that's that's uh, a strikeout. Basically, I guess, I guess you could call it. Yeah. No, strike out. Strike out is when you swing. Oh, right, right. It's, a, it's an out. Whatever. I don't fucking play American. Yeah. <laughs> but in this movie, the they set it up to where it's just like it made it impossible for them to win. I mean, they had to get X amount of points and they couldn't do it because these people were out. And these people were in or they made too many points. So then they had to go up to the next bracket of points to make i don't get the game of cricket side note cricket all. is very confusing it's super confusing and weird but you just know that by the expression on the team's face that they don't know if they're winning or losing right and they just know that they have to do one run to win and they do two runs and then they're like oh no we did too many runs we have to go up to seven more runs i don't know what how it works yeah i don't really know how cricket works either but um but it ends on a great reversal yeah and they do a lot of that throughout the entire movie where they, you think that they lost it, but then something crazy happens to where they win, like by luck or by chance. Right. And so you see this a lot in that cartoon that we talked about earlier, the claymation movie. Oh, Wallace and Gromit. Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. You know, the plane's flying into a, a tunnel, and it turns out to be like a billboard. And you're like, oh, crazy. That's pretty funny. They do really good reversals. They do good reversals. If you want to know what a reversal is, watch Wallace and Gromit. Well, and the, then there's also that commentary on like cast society and everything like that uh, inside, inside Lagan. Yeah, the, the cripple and the yeah everyone didn't want to talk to him because he like, was a cripple. That, well, and he's also just like a low status guy, which is like not really a thing in India anymore. But it kind of, or at least the last time I went, I was still not in my twenties. I want to say so mm-hmm. that. Should, give it some perspective like it's still kind of is a thing I, I wouldn't doubt it yeah but if the but they overcame it and they won the game exactly. together as a village yeah 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 and then on top of it it starts to rain yeah and they're like what double whammy we just yeah. won the game and it starts to rain so no taxes and now so all the crop the, the crop profits are going to be you know ours yeah. yeah good movie it was a good movie good movie I can't really the only other uh, really like Bollywood or Bengali film that I could I could recommend. I actually haven't seen myself, but I'm taking it on faith that it's good because literally every Indian person says it's good. Oh, that's a lot of people. That's a that's like a that's million a people. Lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Which movie is that? Um, I'll have to. Well, I'll put it in the show notes because I don't remember. But it was like one of the early, if not the first, movies of. Um, of uh, of uh, Indian superstar Amitabh Bachchan, oh. and it's a movie where basically he, as a ch- like, some kind of event happens when he's a child, and he grows up to be a like mob boss, but his younger brother grows up to be a police officer. That sounds so familiar. Yeah, interesting. And so it's like it's like the diff- it's like the fight between family and justice. Is there a song and dance in that one? I think there's uh, several song and dances. Cool. These are the, Indian uh, movies. The musical all. numbers in Lagan were pretty good. Yeah, they're not bad. And the songs are pretty catchy. Yeah. 
and it's a good movie. Yeah, there's that motivational, there's that training montage one. Yeah. Which is like, it's damn solid. And I don't know. I feel like people shouldn't be turned off by musical numbers. No. I, I think that there are certain ones that, you know, whatever. And that's like when people tell me that they didn't like uh, or they don't want to watch La La Land because it's like, oh, well, it's a musical. It has musical numbers. I don't want to watch it. But it's like the actual no, movie. No, you don't want to watch it because it's a bunch of whiny, bratty people. Well, but wait. The movie concept in and of itself is actually like a pretty – it's a pretty significant story. I don't know. I wasn't a big fan of La La Land. What? I wasn't. But I saw it. I thought it was good. I thought the the way the movie ends was daring, and also it tells a very important message, which is like, in reality, because we live in a like in like a cinematic universe, everyone can eventually like through perseverance, tenacity, and real true belief, everyone can accomplish they, what they want. But that's not the way real world works. Like you end up. Uh, like somebody has to sacrifice their dreams for somebody else. And if you're unwilling to sacrifice your dreams for someone else's dreams, then you do not get that. Like you can't both do it. So is this another weird projection it. moment? This might be me projecting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm pro- the power of films, everybody. Well, I, well that and I, I drank just enough 10 high to where I now I'm projecting over everything. It doesn't look that empty. But. It doesn't, but considering that I took a shot the very second that uh, we sat down at Chase and then bullet after that. Yeah, you've been drinking a little bit. Yeah. I may have been as well. Yeah. So I guess what you're, what we're trying to get with too with all of this talk about movies is mm-hmm. uh, Merry Christmas, Atish. Merry Christmas, dude. And... Uh, can't wait to see you in the next year and continue on on this venture. Yeah, let's. Uh, we're going to figure out, you know, both the creative world, we're going to figure out the business world and kind of how those two intermingle and keep tracking from there. Let's, uh, let's also start attracting some interesting characters to add to our stories. Yeah, I agree. And we'll see what happens. Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.